Welcome to Looking at Lucasfilm, the podcast with a different perspective on the world of Star Wars, Indiana Jones, and all of the other entities that George Lucas, Kathleen Kennedy, Dave Filoni, and and we're still deciding about Favreau, right? We we have an official. Oh, uh, we we want him to. We don't want him to feel left out. Let's put him in there. Okay, and, and John Favreau, uh, you know, and the rest of the team at Lucasfilm have dreamed of over the past forty years. I'm entertainment writer Jim Hill, and the, the gentleman who just chimed in there is the one, the only Dan Z. And he and I are recording this on Wednesday, September 16th. So you are four weeks into the school year at this point? Is that right? Uh, I am just about to finish week five, actually. And it's wow. going really, really well. I mean, uh, I mean, every day there are more and more students that are choosing to go remote because they have the option mm-hmm. to do so. But we're, we've got the desk spaced out, still 100% mask compliance, and uh, mm-hmm. social distancing is in full effect. And uh, it's just nice to be in front of students and to uh, engage with them. Well, again, I'm 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 glad again that 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 you were out there doing this, as particularly you know being as passionate as you are about teaching. Um, well, anyway, folks, <laughs> you know, some weeks uh, Dan and I sort of stared down the barrel and was like, "Wow, there isn't a whole lot of Star Wars news." This was not that week, Dan. Was no. it? Our cup runneth over, full of the child and all kinds of stuff. Well, all right, I, you, you, let's start with who, where you know you just talked about. We had. The season two teaser trailer uh, for The Mandalorian dropped just yesterday. And by the way, I, I want to stress here, folks, that there is a second trailer coming. Uh, I've been told by, by folks at Disney we should look for it in, um, what is it, the early October, first week to 10 days. Wow. Um, but, uh, okay, so let's let's talk about uh this trailer uh dan what did you think uh overall i I think it's wonderful i think it's one of the the coolest teaser trailers for television that we've ever seen and uh, it just had a wonderful pace the music was haunting there was there was a wonderful little turtle impression that the child pulled at the end of the of the thing uh some great action and most importantly to me it revealed nothing about plot but it really sort of encapsulated the overall premise of season one in uh, in a very, very short amount of time. And at the time of this recording, it's got 7.6 million views on YouTube. Eh, barely a blip. No one's paying attention. That's right. Okay. All right. Um, I, I have to say, Dan, I felt compelled after watching this trailer to go back and look at the two trailers that were released for uh, season one of The Mandalorian. Because I, I I wanted to kind of compare to see you know you know it's like all right how much am I actually seeing or how much are they, they willing to give away in these things and it turns out um, the original teaser trailer for the Mandalorian season one gave away quite a bit if you you, you click through the thing I mean you get to see Cara Dune it does Moff Gideon there's Grief Cargo there's IG Eleven you know there's Warner Herzog the client and even Queel the Ugnot so it's the only thing they held back, um, obviously, was the child. Um, so, understanding that that you know the, the the Lucasfilm folks on the television side, particularly when it comes to promotion, they do a lot of hiding in plain sight. Uh, you know, so you know there's a lot of stuff revealed up front. You just don't know it's being revealed up front. Um, so, and again, I know Dan, you are ridiculously self-disciplined about this stuff. You don't. You know, you, you 
you look, but you don't you don't go digging for spoilers. But that's right. The in internet is kind of losing its mind over. There's that one shot on the docks where there's you know a figure in a cloak observing you know and then the you know crowd moves and when the crowd parts again that figure is gone uh in a, a very jedi you know kind of way um and i have you heard what people are presupposing about who that character might be oh yeah there are two names that are thrown around and they're both related to the to the last uh few moments of the season finale of star wars rebels really mm -hmm. uh but you know me i just think well I don't know. That was cool. I have no idea. I'm not going to guess because that just leads to disappointment for me personally. But I understand other people absolutely love this. The only thing I will say mm -hmm. is if you see websites or or tweets or things like that that are authoritatively telling you who these are, that it's confirmed, I can honestly tell you nothing is confirmed until you see it from Lucasfilm or Disney. So don't fall for the clickbait, friends, because that's all nope. that it is. And they're really correct. Okay. Okay. Um, now speculating I, I is fun, though. I know some people like to speculate. Oh no, 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 no! I just, you know, it just there's kind of a Zapruder film quality. Oh know, gosh, it's, it's so true. You know, isn't it? it, you know, just going through a frame at a time. Of, look, you know. So did you? I, on the other uh, hand, did you like the? Did you like it? You didn't say. I I, I enjoyed it. I you know it's like you know the uh, the beat that you were talking about where the the you know the the the, uh, the child retreats into his pod. What was so funny is that um, just yesterday Nancy and I went to our uh, local Disney store uh, and it, we did it right, folks. We wore the mask. We socially distanced. We slathered ourselves with uh, hand sanitizer. Um, but what's kind of interesting is they, they you know, <laughs> unlike last year, uh, there's finally merch to support the Mandalorian. And one of the more interesting things they were selling was there is now a, a perfectly round coffee mug that, you know, basically recreates the child in uh, his hover pod. And, oh. you know, all I could, you know, all I could think was this would be perfect to eat the Mandalorian cereal out of. If I could find any, um, you know, because I'm looking, Dan, you know, I, I, I was in my my local Target. Uh, and just before we did the show tonight, uh, I found out that if I wanted to have it delivered to my home, my local Walmart might help. Oh, uh, yeah, that's you probably true. But but you, on the other hand, <laughs> you don't have, you know, us commoners actually have to go to the store <laughs> and get the cereal. You, on the other hand, you gotta, do you want to talk about the box that arrived at the house today? Yeah, today, General Mills uh, had given me a heads up. They were sending me something in the middle of the month. And sure enough, I got a, a beautiful black box with the child on the bottom. There's posters of it on uh, Coffee with Kenobi's Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and on our stories as well. And you open it up, and it's got this this cushiony, velvety interior where you pull out the box, and there's this really cool collectible Mandalorian cereal. So Mason and I had it actually right before you and I started chatting this evening, and it's actually quite good. My wife described it as Twix, or not Twix, but a, a Kix cereal mm -hmm. with a little bit of Lucky Charms marshmallows, and I think it's pretty tasty. Okay, so the, 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 the exterior of the box describes it as a fruity cereal with child-shaped marshmallows. Would that be correct? I think that's accurate. And, and if it had a bit of a Halloween taste to it, then Drew Taylor would probably be, you know, foot in all the way to the cereal itself. 
Ah, <laughs> uh, well, okay, folks. We are how long into the show for the uh, eight minutes? We I laughed so minutes. hard at your latest fine tuning when he was talking about all the Halloween candy he's been eating already. Oh, just uh, again, I'm taunting I'm a diabetic. diabetic. Yes, what a what a rude you know, person. I, I I I wave at it from a distance. Uh, now we were just talking though about again. I went to, to my local Target and wandered the cereal aisle, and there was in fact no. Uh, Mandalorian cereal, but on the other hand, in the toy toy aisle, uh, we had the Galaxy's Edge Trading Post, which, in sadly, my target had been pretty much picked clean. Though there was a really cool Jawa tiki mug um, that I was sorely tempted by. Um, you, on the other hand, Dan, I, I think you you managed to get there when the thing was fully in stock. Uh, and 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 did a little shopping, didn't you? Yeah, I went. I went the first day. I I wanted to see sort of the selection that they had. I got I got a puzzle. I got one of the the miniature three and three quarter droids. I got an orange and black one because that is our school colors where I teach. So I thought that was fun. I got the the six inch black series Honda Onaka thanks to a, a listener, Tyler Pampa. He picked that up for me and, and got that over to me. And oh. some other fun little things, but yeah, there's there's a fun thing. I mean, none of it is stuff that's actually sold in the parks, as far as I know. Mm-hmm. But it's still fun. I, I just like the packaging and the the logo and just kind of the feel. I mean, anytime they're trying to put a little bit of that kind of fun into the world, I'm I'm a big fan of. Well, now speaking of which, it, it to me it's genuinely intriguing that we are think about it. Uh, we had Disneyland's version of Star Wars Galaxy's Edge open in what? May, you know, uh, late May, early June of ni- uh, 2019. Yeah, it was May for sure. Okay, all right, and then the uh, the Disney World version opened in late summer, early fall. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for me, you know, what's intriguing about what's going on now is you have Disney and Lucasfilm trying to make Galaxy's Edge, but to something that lives outside of the parks, which. Brings me to the Sims. Um, have you seen this? The uh, Sims Four Star Wars Journey to Batu. I have. That broke last week, and uh, I haven't played the Sims, gosh, since early college. And mm-hmm. it's—I um, don't know. What do you think? I mean, it certainly looks intriguing. Well, you know, the thing that 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 kind of—you know—I I face it. There was a lot of stuff that we were promised. You know, in the the you know the year two years uh, that that you know Star Wars Galaxy's Edge was under construction. Uh, you know, you, you know, uh, you know. How many times did we hear about, for example, the uh, you know we that we'd be in Oga's Cantina and you know have a you know an angry bounty hunter or an angry smuggler come up to our elbow and and chew us out because we had dumped our cargo on the Millennium Falcon. Um, and what's kind of interesting to me is that if you read what, uh, Sims 4 Star Wars Journey of Batu is, finally we get to do this, you know, that, that players get to choose between three factions, resistance, first order, and, uh, or they, if they want to be a smuggler and you can, um, as you make your way through this area and and do various missions you can actually build up galactic credits which is the currency that's used in batu um but you, you you know you can you can go get dinner at ronto's uh roasters uh you can you know you can decorate you know your your 
your room in, you know, a Black Sparrow post the way you want. You can go to Droid Depot and build your own droid. Um, and evidently, the sort of when you've really reached, you know, you've really done, uh, you know, this game right and you've completed all the missions, you actually have all the parts necessary to go to Savvy's workshop and make your own lightsaber. So, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's a little, it's part of me that's a little frustrated that it's like, what we're supposed to get in the real world, well, we couldn't necessarily deliver, but if I have an additional $19.99 to buy this expansion pack of The Sims, I, I get to do this. Um, they they I know and, the Lucasfilm Story Group spent a lot of time on this. They really wanted to hmm. get the detail down. They, they put a lot of the authenticity and in, in some of the wackiness that The Sims is famous for. Mm -hmm. uh, so, I mean, I, I haven't talked to anyone who's played The Sims in a while, but this would certainly tempt me to... To I mean I do you, can you only get the expansion pack to play or is there something else you need to purchase with I'm not sure I think you do need you know Sims Four to actually play this now right. what what's kind of interesting for, to me is on a parallel track uh, we have the ILM X Lab uh, project Star Wars Tales uh, from the Galaxy's Edge uh, which what just today. We had that trailer that revealed that Anthony Daniels, C-3PO, is going to be part of this virtual reality experience. That's right. Um, and, and they also said that Yoda's going to be involved, too, which I'm trying to kind of wrap my head around how that would work story-wise, yeah, but interesting. It, well, I, speaking of the story, the, the setup for this is you are a droid repair technician that crash lands on the planet Batu, And... Uh, you make your way to Blackspire Outpost, and as you step into a cantina owned by a character called Sleazelstack, um, yeah. he he tells stories which eventually, it, it, as a result of these stories, you do at some point come you know face to face with Master Yoda. Um, and uh, Sleazelstack you know, is voiced by Bobby Moynihan from Saturday Night Live, too, by the way. That's right. That's right. That's right. Who does, by the way, some wonderful work also on the, the DuckTales reboot. Yeah. Uh, and Star Wars know, Resistance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, the, you know the, the love his work. Um, uh, but again, it just, you know, we have the same sort of situation where, uh, uh, by the way, we, we there's still... Um, I, I, I want to be fair here. The folks at Oculus Quest have yet to release a price point or a release date for this project. But the fact that, you know, we got the trailer, you know, that, the, the, you know, and they're continuing the promotion, it's imminent, you know, or, or so they say. It just would be nice to know when. Um, and, and speaking of things, people would like to know when it's going to open. Uh, you know, the, the Star Wars, uh, you know, Galactic Star Cruiser Hotel at Walt Disney World. Um, work is continuing on this project. In fact, is the CFO, uh, in a, a recent uh, meeting with the uh, investors, made a point of saying, yes, this is still coming. And, you know, we're really looking forward to this. And um, I, I don't know if you you heard the, the recent Disney dish, Dan, where, where Len... Uh, unearthed a patent that's going to be used in this hotel uh, where, you know, you're going to be wandering the corridors and a droid is going to, you know, you know, come at you and, you know, and realize you're in the hallway and, you know, literally stop its approach to allow you to pass. 
uh, you know, it's just sort of a safety protocol. So you, you can have, you know, what we know from the Star Wars films, you know, that the, uh, you know, that, that, that the world is populated with droids and, you know, they're, they're outgoing to do day-to-day -day tasks. But again, remember, this was something uh, that was supposed to be a, a feature of, um, you know, uh, Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. And in fact, they, they just sort of set the stage for it. Do you remember that, that, that bit of info where they actually found see the original uh, R2-D2 tracks? And yes, and then they, they went through Batu on both coasts and, and marked it up. So they would look like yeah. real tracks. It's pretty great. Yeah, yeah, no, no, it's it's a great detail, and um, I you know I I want to stress here. I've been told by a friend at Disney, it's like, you know, there's a reason we're doing this. You know, there's a reason we're doing Sims. There's a reason we're doing the you know Tales of Galaxy's Edge, and and likewise that we're trying this technology out at the you know the the Galactic Star Cruiser Hotel. It's like it's coming to Galaxy's Edge, it, you know, this sort of stuff will eventually make it into the parks. We just, you know, we want to make people aware that this is at full build out what it will be like. Um, so it's like, okay, all right, you know, that, that, I just, if it's a coming attraction, I just hope, you know, it, it gets here soon. And it does make sense that Star Wars would be the vessel where they would try this cutting edge technology. I mean, that's been the history ever since 77. Oh yeah, yeah, um, but but at the same time, you know, the the, the uh, as long as we're talking about coming attractions, um, did you see the um, the video that Electronic Arts dropped for the its Star Wars Squadrons game? I saw it. It's it's gorgeous. It's compelling, and it made me wish that this was actually going to be an animated series because wow, the animatics on this thing. <laughs> No, it, it it is amazing. It's it's beautifully staged, and and more to the point, have you ever seen a Star Wars story told from this point of view before? Not that not that it comes to mind right off the bat. It it's uh, really and it reminds me of the old X Wing and Tie Fighter games, but this is taking mm -hmm. it to a whole other level. I mean, it's it goes to eleven to quote Spinal Tap. Mm -hmm. Oh no, no, it, it beautifully. In fact, you know, I love. For example, the opening shot, the tease of, okay, so yes, here we are with New Hope again. It's like, no, you're not. You know, and, you know, that, that you know, to have the camera angle, you know, suddenly flip over entirely and it's an entirely different, you know, something you, you haven't been seen before or more to the point, been in the middle of. And, you know, and, and it constantly, um, sort of flips the script. I mean, I, I love yeah. that scene where he's, you know, basically hiding in the wreckage, uh, and you know, the, you have the the X-wing kind of creeping in. I mean, it's it's so beautifully done. And you're right. Um, I, I would honestly love to see a Star Wars animated series like this. But um, on the other hand, just to see this out ahead of the game, it makes me that much more excited for when, uh, you know, uh, you know. Star Wars Quadrant, you know, finally goes on sale. Uh, what is it? It's October 2nd, right? Sounds right. Yeah, it's very close. Okay. Um, but again, you know, just, um, I don't know. It, you know it, the thing that kind of, I, I, you know, won't lie, Dan, that kind of frustrates me today is the notion of, think about it, we're seeing amazing stuff uh, done with Star Wars for television. We're seeing, you know, and again, we were just talking about the Star Wars Squadron 
uh, that this short, which by the way is called Hunted Folks, uh, you know, if you want to chase it down, um, you know, again, just wonderful six minute and 58 second, you know, beautiful little chunk of Star Wars. Um, but you know, you, you look at that, you, you look at what they're doing, and then you look at what wound up going into the parks with phase and by the way that's the other thing that's kind of interesting about talking with the imagineers right now about uh you know galaxy's edge is that okay you know you have to understand this is only phase one you know um and you know largely this is phase one is the way it is because you know we have things that we need to do in the hotel first before we bring them over to the parks uh, and and then same time, it's just sort of like when you look at the the last trilogy, and um, you know the story that just broke from from Daisy Ridley, uh, which by the way we'll get to in a moment first. But first, got to do a couple ads. Okay, we are back now, uh, and before we get to the Daisy Ridley story. Um, wanted to, uh, we are moving into, it's, it's, it's mid-September folks. It's going to be fall sooner than you know it. And fall means holiday shopping. And I know <laughs> when none of us are, are going to the mall the way we used to, uh, but there's a couple of books coming out that, that particularly Star Wars related books, uh, that, uh, Dan and I wanted to make you aware of. And, and first of all, I want to credit Denise Prescott of mouse steps uh she was the one who noticed that the tashin uh for the 40th anniversary are putting on compact versions of some of their their earlier books and and one that that star wars fans know and love is the star wars archive book uh it, it, do you have a copy of this dan um, i don't i remember when it came out um they weren't sending out review copies because it was so expensive but, I, but i've seen yeah. some stills and pdfs and boy is it gorgeous oh yeah well it, it but it's also a behemoth it's huge you know, it's a coffee yeah. table all right well you could make a coffee table exactly. out of this coffee table book you know, it's it's an extra extra large formatted book originally went for two hundred dollars what's nice about what tashin is doing for this 40th anniversary edition of the Star Wars archive, and the full title is 1977-83. Uh, um, they're much more compact format and much more affordable price point. It's going to be just $25, uh, and you know, just has some amazing stuff from the films. But that that drops on December 13th, 2020. Uh, I, I, another book that should be on your radar. Star Wars, the lightsaber collection. Uh, this is from Daniel Wallace. And uh, weren't you saying that, that Inside Editions uh, just sort of gave you the heads up that, that they they want you to take a look at this? Or? Yeah, I'm getting my review copy very soon. Looking forward to it. They, they're also really cool. They're letting different websites putting out exclusive uh, little images and pages from it. And they let us send out the one of Even Peel, who's a... Uh, one of the Jedi that actually meets his end in the Clone Wars. But yeah, this the detail on this thing, I, I've always been such a lightsaber aficionado anyway, so I really can't wait to pour into this and get some of the, the close-ups, especially uh, on what you're about to talk about. Mm -hmm. Okay. And uh, just so you, this is on your, you know, note this in the calendar, folks. Book drops on October 20th. It's going to be $29. Uh, 
Wait a minute. October 20th, that date is familiar for some uh, reason. Is that when I pick oh, up my dry cleaning? It? No. <laughs> Isn't that when your book is coming out? The Star Wars book, Expand Your, your Knowledge of a Galaxy Far, Far Away? That's right. Uh, we're hoping to really rack up those pre-orders, so go ahead and jump on it now. I'm telling you what. When people get a hold of the Star Wars book and they see the essays and the time that myself, Pablo Hidalgo, and Cole Horton put into this thing, it's going to generate a whole lot of conversation. Okay, I'm putting on notice. I have pre-ordered my copy, and I once I get it, I am sending it to you, Dan, and I want a proper signature. Of course. You know, I, I, I don't know if you, you heard about what happened with myself and Drew with his you know Art of Pixar's Onward book. Uh, evidently, Drew was being chased by a bear. You know when he filled out his autograph, it, it's, I, I think he might have been holding the pen in his teeth. Oh, so, was it sloppy? <laughs> you know, I, I, it, maybe maybe he let Nova do it. You know, that's, that's, the, 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 probably maybe the dog. Nicer. But I, I actually just sent him. I, I paid to send him the book. With I included a sharpie. <laughs> oh, like, that's really that's really charming put, of you. I think put a proper you know uh, you know that's i i want a proper author signature in this yes book. yes so. well we we kid because we love but drew's drew's great i love his book and that's actually a good idea i should do the same thing okay well I, you know they're just putting a notice expect the box with the sharpie and the, the prepaid mailer and all that it'd be so. my pleasure all right anyway we were talking about uh what daisy ridley uh, revealed recently, and before I, I don't uh, many... before we jump into that, can we can we really quickly? This is sort of breaking news, at least the time it's recording. By the time people hear this, so everyone will know. But uh, at the time of this recording, the Mandalorian has won five Emmys so far. They, that's for the technical awards, right? That's right. Or... They won one for outstanding production design. Uh, they won one for let's see. They won one for outstanding sound editing. They got one for outstanding sound mixing. One for outstanding cinematography, and one for special visual effects. Now, some of these are for certain episodes. Most of them seem to be centered on chapters one and two. But why? What a what a wonderful thing! Well, you know, and, and again, any of us who watch the Disney Gallery, the Mandalorian, uh, you know, docu series on Disney Plus, you know, I mean, there's so much cutting edge stuff that they did and it's honestly it's nice to see them get recognition for this oh know? yeah um, oh yeah yeah so what well, anyway, no, no, that th thanks for bringing uh that to our attention and gonna be interesting marching into this weekend to see you know which you know acting awards they take home uh so but anyway okay speaking of of, of acting and actors um okay so did daisy ridley um, was on the um, the Jimmy Kimmel show, which uh, Jimmy had been taking a break. So Josh Gad, uh, who Daisy had worked with on the Murder on the Orient Express uh, film, uh, the the Kenneth Branagh sort yes. of reboot of it. Yes. Uh, by the way, I you know that they they you know somebody somewhere really has to write a comedy that Josh Gad and, and Daisy Ridley have to, should do together. Cause they are, they so enjoy each other's company. I mean, have you yes. seen that video of, uh, I think it dropped just in the, the past day or so that it's the two of them out doing press for uh, uh, murder on the Orient express. And it's Josh doing his, 
Hercule Poirot impression. Hercule Poirot, which, yeah. Oh, it, you it's know, so good. It, well, when that came out and he was trying to basically get secrets from her about The Last Jedi and they were interviewing all the members of the cast and J.J. was there in the trailer and it was just an absolute blast. They they do have wonderful chemistry and, of course, Josh is your close they personal do. friend anyway. Well, no, no, no. That, that, that's, I can't, can't, get, that Mr. Gad is a great guy and it's his made an appearance or so on the show and and hi Ava. Um, he but really is. Anyway, um okay, so Josh and, and and again it's interesting, you know, that you mentioned that there was that running gag of Josh trying to get Star Wars related secrets out of uh, of Daisy because finally on this episode of the Jimmy Kimmel show, um she dropped a fairly sizable one that, you know, well I'm I'm, I'm gonna read the quote here that that and this is talking about um you know raise um you know potential parentage all right um so when they started working on the first film on, on the force awakens at the beginning there was again this is daisy talking there was toying with an obi-wan connection there were there were different versions then it really went that it was no one and then it was <laughs> At dedicate time to episode nine, and JJ pitched me. It's like, okay, Palpatine is your grandfather. Uh, and then two weeks later, as they're making the film, well, we're not so sure. So it kept changing. So even as we were filming, I wasn't quite sure what the answer was going to be. And so, what do you make of this? You know, that and thinking back to The Force Awakens, that you know, they were potentially planting the seeds that. Obi-Wan was Ray's grandfather. I I think there's a lot of important variables that are going to play for this. And uh, you and I know that over the course in the history of, of cinema and storytelling, just the creative process in general, things go through different drafts. They go through different processes. And what you're getting at the end of Act 3 isn't always what was the intention in Act 1. That is normal, however. Mm. I mean... Darth Vader wasn't going to be Luke's father until well after A New Hope was in the can and was was the juggernaut that it was. Luke and Leia were not brother and sister until Return of the Jedi was being created. That wasn't even a thing throughout The Empire Strikes Back. And yet no one seemed concerned about that. Of course, if social media were a thing back then, I'm sure it would be a different story. And I, I've made no secret over over the past you know nine, ten months that I don't love... That Ray is a Palpatine. I I found it a little bit forced and unnatural, and there was there weren't any necessary steps there to indicate that that was a logical way to go in the story. You know, that being said, that's what they did. That was the answer. I'm not going to sign petitions or get all upset about it because that's just how it ended up. And mm-hmm. she mentioned something. You know, that we're talking about that you mentioned. She said we they toyed with the idea of her being a Kenobi. Which, you know, coffee with Kenobi, hello. Would I would I have liked it better? Yes, I would have loved it. I thought it would I thought it would have been great. It would have would have made more sense. However, there's mm-hmm. one really huge problem about this, and that would mean that the Kenobi family would be another in the line of absentee fathers in Star Wars. And I'm not sure that's such a great thing. I mean, Han Solo certainly could be accused of that being in and out all the time. I don't have to tell you the story of Anakin Skywalker as a father. And you know, this would just be another one. So it really wouldn't make much sense there. So all she did was say they toyed with it and then people went crazy and oh, they retconned and this. And no, they didn't. That's called storytelling. 
And when people say that, you know, why don't they have one person that's in charge and blah, 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 and they have a creative vision, you know, I wasn't there and certainly no one else was there besides the people who are working on the film themselves. Uh, look at Marvel, for example. Yes, Kevin Feige is the one in charge, like Kathleen Kennedy, but he lets the individual storytellers tell their stories. And that's just kind of how it went. Whether I like it or not, I mean, I guess it's sort of irrelevant. That's just kind of what happened. I don't know. I, I could certainly talk about it a lot. And we did this week on Coffee with Kim. We did an entire show about it because as wow. much as I wish that was the case, at the end of the day, I don't ha I don't have this this notion that I'm entitled to anything because I like it one way doesn't mean that's the way it's supposed to be. No, I get that. I get that. But uh, honestly, you just took the legs out from under my big argument about, you know, I was about to launch into this thing where it's like, well, George wrote the Journal of the Wills. And, you know, they had the outline for 12 different Star Wars films and you knew exactly where the story was going to go. And then you told the story about how Darth Vader wasn't really the dad, you know, while they were shooting New Hope or for that matter, you know, uh, you know, it wasn't until they were writing, uh, you know, what originally Revenge of, of, of the, the the Jedi. That's or, right. The, you know that Luke and Leia were, were brother and sister. So it's like, thanks, thanks, Dan. Okay, I had a, a really good argument here. Well, so uh, you can still but, present it. Other people, want, and you were mentioning something about Gone with the Wind. I think you should talk about here too. Well, uh, not Gone with the Wind, but but, but Casablanca. But yeah, oh, yes, I yes, mean, yes, you yes. know, Cas. Casablanca uh, is kind of the quintessential story of, you know, they, well, that line I love from Raiders so much. I'm making this up as I go along. That's you know, right. that, that I mean, um, you know, Casablanca was based on an unproduced stage play. Uh, Everybody Comes to Ricks. Uh, you know, the Warner Brothers picked up the rights to it in 1942, and they wanted to make it a Humphrey Bogart vehicle. And so they hire uh, Julius and, and Philip Epstein, um, and they start working on the script. Uh, but they then step away uh, from from working on the screenplay to go work with Frank Capra. He was putting together his Why We Fight series, which was supposed to be shown to the folks at home to explain, you know, that uh, all right, why are we, you know, partnering with Russia to go after Germany and Japan? And it's like, well, let me explain this to you. So Howard Koch steps in and begins working on the screenplay. Uh, but a, a month later, the Epstein's come back and they, they actually start shooting, um, you know, Casablanca in, in late May of 1942. But again, now at this point, you know, you have the, the you know, pages from the original stage play. You have the, the Epstein's first draft, which has then been massaged by Howard Koch. And then they come back. And, you know, it, it, but at the same time, the studio's like, we want to shoot this now. We want to shoot, you know, the, this, this romance, you know, set against World War II, you know. And, and so um, every day when the cast came to the set, there were new pages because the Epstein's had been writing overnight. And it was, you know, they are literally midway through the movie. And it's like, well, all right, is, you know, Ilsa going to go? With you know Bogart's character, or, you know, you know, or is she going to stay with her husband? You know, the freedom fighter, and it's like I, I don't know. Come back tomorrow, <laughs> you know. And they they didn't actually resolve this till you know the day they shot that scene, and you know, and and, and it then became this beloved film 
you know, actually, I, and to give you some idea of what a rush job, they finished shooting that this thing on August 3rd, uh, 1942, uh, Dan. Uh, they held the premiere on November 26th. So what is that? You know, three months? Uh, yeah. You know, they will edit together, you know, that amazing musical score that, you know, that we all know and love today. Uh, and it didn't go into wide release till till January, but but again, you know, this was another one where it's like, you know, does she stay with him? Does she go off with her, her freedom fighter husband? It's like, I don't know. So the fact that you know Ray Ray was a Kenobi, Ray was a Palpatine, we don't know. Um, I, let's be honest here. Some of this really does have to do with uh, with you know what happened. You know, JJ, then then Ryan Johnson, then JJ again. Um, but let's let's also be honest here. A lot of a lot of stuff was out of uh, Lucasfilm's control. I mean, when when we lost Carrie, uh, you know, right after they finished shooting uh, the Last Jedi, uh, you know that that changed the plans for not only that film, but the film that followed. Um, in fact, it wasn't initially the plan that, uh, what was it? Uh, Force Awakens is, you know, Harrison heavy film, uh, Last Jedi was going to be, uh, you know, was Mark. And then finally the, the last part of the trilogy was supposed to be, you know, Carrie's starring there. Right. That's right. It was supposed to be her focus, her story. And she was really excited about it too. Who knows what could have happened. It would have been wonderful to see. Yeah, yeah. So, all right. So, so long story short, again, you know, it it, it, was, it was wonderful that they, in fact, what to the point? It was wonderful after all of that film footage of Josh Gad, you know, sneaking into, uh, you know, Daisy's trailer and hectoring her for info on Star Wars movies for her to actually share, you know, a Star Wars story like this. But, uh, but seriously, somebody needs to write. Uh, something that that you know, and, and beyond the two of them being in an ensemble cast like uh, Murder on the Orient Express, it's just I would love to see the two of them in something. They're just so much fun together. They're they're a great um, they're a great team. They clearly have a sincere affection for each other, like brother and sister. And mm-hmm. yes, it's it's they're a very charming pair. And it's I think Daisy had mentioned that she really hadn't gotten any auditions since the rise of Skywalker, which is sort of crazy. But it's also crazy to me that. Uh, the gentleman who played Aladdin in the live-action Aladdin wasn't able to get any work either. That seems uh, insane as well. On the other hand, I, you know, I, it seems like every time I turn around, Josh Gad is in something else. I mean, did did you, for example, just this past weekend, they did um, that table read for The Princess Bride? I didn't see it, but I heard you talking about it on fine-tuning. Yeah, he did. I, well, the, the interesting thing is Josh was cast as Fezzik, you know, that, that Andre the Giant, you know, passed away in, in the, the, the early 90s. So he, he obviously didn't take part in this table read. And what was fascinating about what Josh did is he did this, this wonderful homage to the way that uh, Andre had played Fezzik. You know, it wasn't a question of let me put my own spin on this. It was let me be faithful to what Andre did. And um, and it, it was amazing to watch him right alongside uh, Mandy Patinkin, who was 
you know, just, you know, it, 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 his Diego Montoyo. I mean, again, it's been 30 some odd years that they did the film. And he, um, Mandy was just as intense, just as, you know, you know, you killed my father, prepare to die. You know, I, it, it, it was so enjoyable. I mean, don't get me wrong. It was, it was a virtual table read and there were some, some technical issues and, you know, mics that didn't come on at the right time, but, um, but Josh was so much fun and likewise, just seeing, you know, having the cast come back and it, and it, it and the weird thing is it's, it was a strong enough story um, that it, it, it still held together with people, you know, all over the country, you know, sitting in front of their computers, reading off script pages and, um, really made me want to see, you know, other films try this. Um, you know, it, it just, in fact, it, it, it would be kind of intriguing to, um, uh, I wonder if they could do this with, with one of the Star Wars, because face it, they have done, um, at least the first two, uh, Star Wars films as radio plays that's right the radio dramas are excellent and mm-hmm. and great fun to listen to and now that with the uh, the pink and random house audio audio books that they're doing like the dooku jedi lost or the dr afra mm-hmm. they're kind of getting into those waters again well good we live in interesting entertainment times but, but of course you know you talk about this stuff over at coffee with kenobi and now you were just mentioning that you you just did a uh you know a full-length show about uh, what what uh, Daisy revealed, right? Yes, uh, I had Holly Fry from Full of Sith and uh, countless other podcasts, and Amira Martin, who was, runs Four Hats and Frugal and is a big Disney blogger and was in the Target Row One commercial with me. We talked about the nature of storytelling and and the the conversation about fan entitlement and and how stories sort of work and and what would it mean to sort of how it impacted be impacted if Ray were in fact a Kenobi or is it really better that she was a nobody? And I will give you a bit of a tease on that. We all agree that her being a nobody was, was the best. Uh, but mm-hmm. of course that was not to be in and, and that's okay. We talk about sort of how to make peace with that and really kind of focus on things that actually are a bit more important, uh, especially with the state of the world these days. And then on our Patreon page, CWK pour over members of the CWK Alliance get to hear us this week. Talk about, our top five favorite action figure lines, and we had a great time unearthing sort of our treasure chests uh, of all of our collections over the years. Wow. Okay. Um, you know, are, are you familiar with the, I want to say it's a Netflix series, The Toys That Made Us? Oh, yes. They're wonderful. I love those. Yeah. You know, I, I, I have to admit, I learned so much about uh you know the the world of action figures and you know what goes into it from, from those shows uh but i so five your five favorite action figures yeah um, favorite action figure oh. lines yes oh. yeah okay that was very fun. this one i have to listen to i i, I really want to know what that would be like and and classic and modern or yes and anything uh most of mine end up being from the 70s and 80s of course but yeah mm-hmm. oh yeah some uh my other hosts had some more modern ones as well okay all right that that i have to check out um but speaking of stuff other stuff we'd like you to check out folks uh our side of the street if you could go uh, give a listen to uh 
Disney Different Blend Testa. Likewise, our, again, our good close doctor friend, Drew Taylor. Uh, he and I do the fine tuning show. Uh, let's see. I also do Marvelous Disney with Aaron Adams, the, the gentleman who comes at a machete with all the podcasts that, that I do with, and tries to remove the 1500 ums. Uh, let's see. We also have Universal Joint with Dustin Fuse. We just got a new episode of that out the door. Uh, and, uh, I, I am prepping. In fact, that's why I was at the Disney store looking at all of the, the, in fact, we'll, we'll save that for the next time, Dan, but I was looking at all of the Star Wars Halloween costumes and, and genuinely kind of feeling bad because, you know, we have places like California that have decided to cancel Halloween this year. And it just sort yeah. of, you know, uh, we got to get creative. I, I got, we got to get creative. It, I guess so, but I, I have to admit, the you know they had some some amazing. Uh, they had a, a, a wonderful Mandalorian Halloween costume. Likewise, a, a really spiffy uh, Kylo Ren, and it's just sort of like oh, you know, it would be nice to see these out in the world. But yeah, we'll, we'll we'll be talking about those on the I Want That podcast with uh, Shelley Viodolid when when she feels a little bit better. Uh, anyway, uh, folks, tell you what, if you could do Dan and I a favor, if you could head over to iTunes and not only, uh, rate the show you're listening to right now, looking at Liversome, but also Coffee with Kenobi, uh, that would be incredibly helpful. Uh, likewise, if you really, really, really like what you heard tonight, if you want to head over to Bandcamp and subscribe, well, you know, <laughs> that'll make it possible to buy the the 40th anniversary version of the the, the Star Wars uh, archive, uh, 1977 to 1983. You know, not necessarily the, the original $200 version, but you know, again, we we appreciate every, you know everything that helps. Uh, all right, uh, and Dan, you were mentioning earlier on tonight uh, that you know you were sharing uh, you know with your your, your friends and, and fans. On social media, the uh, what General Mills had sent along your your Mandalorian cereal box, but yes, um, where else can, can folks find you in the, the social media sphere? Sure. Well, you, the easiest way is Twitter at Mr. Zer M R Z E H R Coffee with Kenobi is on all kinds of social media: YouTube, Instagram, Pinterest, Facebook. You know the usual places. Uh, if you want to email me and ask me anything about Star Wars or ask me about my upcoming book, you can email me, danz at coffeewithkenobi.com. And I always forget to mention this, but I have my own website called danzmedia.com. If you are looking to build your brand or start a podcast or blog, let me know and I'd be happy to help. Very cool. Okay. Uh, our side of the fence, Nancy wants me to tell you that you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Jim Hill Media and on Facebook at Jim Hill Media News. And okay, folks, so I guess that's going to do it for tonight. But again, just, just want to point out, uh, it's six weeks and change now till, you know, we get season two, or at least the first episode of Mandalorian. And so go look at that trailer. Just to, again, just very interesting things.